What's this? A lively show. I'm inspired to listen to this episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Reflux capacitor. Fluxing. Crew. Distinctions. Scanning for the Three Musketeers. 1993. Prepare to rewind in three, two, one. Welcome, rewinders and new listeners to the Retro Rewind Podcast, where we take a fresh look at movies and video games from 15 or more years ago. You can find this episode at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash 154, where there are links to contact us and vote on the movies we cover. And if you end up loving the show and want to see it thrive, you can become a reflux capacitor, making our time travel possible alongside our patrons. Jared Holzhauer, Deborah Powers, Brian Keating, Patrick Hicks, LJ Lowry, Chris Cowan, The Feelin' Film Podcast, Chris Owens, Geek Devotions, New Patron, The Untold Podcast, and four other awesome patrons as well. Thank you all so much for supporting us on Patreon. I am Francisco Ruiz, your captain of the pod, and sailing with me as always is your XO, Paul the Master Interrupter Powers. All for one, Paul. And one for all, Francisco. XO, who is rewinding with us for the Three Musketeers? Well, we're glad to have back Chief Entertainer Nate Anderson. Sorry, that's Nate Anderson. H. Henderson. <laughs> It could be Henderson or Anderson or whatever. Yeah, one of the, it's care. it's Nate. Come on, you know. <laughs> That's fine. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, sure, thanks for coming well, back, back aboard. aboard Nate. Uh, so, thank you, Paul, and thank you, Nate. We look forward to hearing more from both of you later, and also finding out how we each answer this movie's trivial question, which is: D'Artagnan is saved from a beheading by the other musketeers in this version of the Three Musketeers who disguise themselves as a priest and a headsman. While this scene is not to be found in the original novel, The Three Musketeers, there is a similar scene in the sequel, 20 Years After. Speaking of classic fiction, what classic novel are you most disappointed in yourself for having never read? So we'll be, we will be each answering that question as the show progresses. But for now, XO, here is your course for this episode. First, our roundtable discussion will consist of the trailer, synopsis, production details for the movie. Then we'll discuss the things we like and dislike about The Three Musketeers. We'll follow that up with our final reign of classic, nostalgic, or tragic, and then come back to our own time with feedback and announcements. Got that, XO? Course laid in. Alice, rewind when ready. Alert! Alert! Approaching target. Spoilers are coming. Establishing analysis vector. Long live the Musketeers! In the great tradition of Disney Family Entertainment, three extraordinary heroes are about to ride into excitement. That's it. Next time you drive, charge into adventure. Impressive. And swim into action in the one movie event for all. The Three Musketeers. (laughs) Rated PG. Starts Friday, November 12th. Check newspaper for showtimes. So that was the, you know, TV spot for the Three Musketeers, in case you weren't sure. And, you know, I'm not really sure what our memories were from this movie. I mean, it's close to more than 20 years ago now, I think, uh, that this movie came out. So let's see what we remembered before we rewatched the Three Musketeers. Dick Grayson wants to join the elite group of musketeers to get a discount on admission to the happiest place on earth. He meets up with the Jack ba- with Jack Bauer, Emilio Estevez's brother from Two and a Half Men, and the portly comic relief from Lake Placid, while the women in the movie try their best to accentuate their cleavage. A while the women in the movie. Uh, Tim Curry is a highly religious figure. Now back to the movie. Chris O'Donnell becomes the musketeer D'Artagnan while helping the other musketeers thwart Wadsworth's plot to overthrow King Louis. Queen Louis? Hmm, not not sure. (laughs) The hand that rocks the cradle does a Superman over the cliffs of insanity, and I'm pretty sure Rocky Horror gets killed in the end. Finally, Robin gets early magic morning admission to the castle with the Mouseketeers proudly making him one of their own. They all celebrate with overpriced churros. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, certainly some of that was on point, but I'd have to say some of it was. Wow. Uh, 
Wow. Uh, now, that, those were our memories. And given our memories of this film, what did we predict this movie would be? Did we think it would end up being a classic we, where we think anyone would enjoy this movie, whether or not they've seen it before? A nostalgic, it's only worth rewatching if you have fond memories of it. Or a tragic, it's not worth a rewatch or a watch in the first place. Uh, I predicted that this would be a classic. How about you, Paul? I predicted nostalgic. Nostalgic. And Nate, what did you predict Three Musketeers would be? I I also predicted nostalgic. Also predicted nostalgic. Very good, very good, guys. Uh, now, Paul, those were our technical predictions. Now, how about you give us some <laughs> technical details about The Three Musketeers? All right. The Three Musketeers is rated G, runs an hour, eight minutes, and was released on video on August 16th of 2004. Oh, wow. It stars so, Mickey, Goofy, and oh, Donald. Oh, I was like, oh, my gosh, August. That's so cool. It's, it's August now when we're recording this. That's not the Three Musketeers we're talking about, Paul. And don't Disney's you go to the 40s version right? or whatever you're about to do. I know you. All right. You want the, uh, let's see. The I guess the one we version? had memory mind melds of, huh? Yeah, that one. <laughs> All right. The Three Musketeers is rated God. PG, runs an hour and 45 minutes, and was released November 12th of 1993. It was directed by Stephen Herrick and stars uh, Charlie Sheen, Keeper Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell, Oliver Platt, Tim Curry, and a few other people you may or may not recognize. Yeah, and actually, we several of the people involved in the making this movie have been in other movies we've covered on the podcast. Uh, namely, the director, Stephen Herrick, also directed The Mighty Ducks, which was RetroRewindPodcast.com slash 56. And the Nest of S Connection. Indeed. And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure which we covered in Slash 51. What? Yeah. That's Excellent. the novel I regret not reading. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, a classic. Charlie Sheen, played Ar- who played Aramis, as well as, and he was also the boy in the police station from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which was Slash 95. Kiefer Sutherland was Athos, in addition to being, I have two books at my bedside, Lieutenant, the Marine Corps Code of Conduct and the King James Bible. The only proper authorities I'm aware of are my commanding officer, Colonel Nathan R. Jessup, and the Lord our God, a.k.a. Second Lieutenant Jonathan Kendrick from A Few Good Men, which was Slash 82. Also, Nate Henderson joined us for that one. Uh, Tim Curry played Cardinal Richelieu, and also Darkness in Legend, Slash 144. Michael Wincott was a smelly kind of cheese, Rochefort, as well as being Guy of Gisborne in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Slash 25. And finally... Michael Kamen composed the music for The Three Musketeers, as well as composing uh, The Last Action Hero, Slash 118, X-Men, Slash 111, Adventures in Babysitting, Slash 97, and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Slash 25. Wow. Yeah, I was when I looked up, looked up uh, the composer, I'm like, I recognize this guy's picture from past times I've searched. What has he done? Oh. Wow, I didn't realize wait, this. Wait much. a minute. Wait a minute. Michael Kamen did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He did indeed, according to IMDb. And you know what? IMDb oh, is never that's wrong. Not, I can't. <laughs> no. The, the, well, the music for this was so underwhelming. We'll, we'll get anyway, there. We'll get to it anyway. But, but, but Robin Hood has like a classic score. Anyway, I'm terribly sorry. I just, I just realized that. Okay. <laughs> Spoilers. Tough derailing us, Nate. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, but, okay. Paul, how did this movie do at the box office? All right. Let's see. The box office for 1993. The budget of this film was $30 million and went on to gross over $53 million. Wow. That seems pretty good. That's excellent. What are you talking about? Thank you, Mario. <laughs> All right. So uh, this movie, let's see, for 1993 in the U.S. box office, out of uh, 259, where do you think it ranked between 1 and 259? For the year? For the year of 1993. Mm, what do you think, Nate? Oh, man. It was the same year the Jurassic Park came out. So oh, <laughs> good. Probably, yeah. It probably, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'll guess uh, this was a pretty popular movie. Uh, number 25. Let's just say number 25. Okay, I'll guess uh, 52. 
Oh, the answer was 21. So oh, Nate wins. Good job, oh, man. Right. That was well really done. close. Yeah. All right. This movie is also a, a swashbuckler movie. So of all the swashbuckler movies from 1980 forward, there's been 22 in the theaters. Where do you think it ranked out of 22? So Ooh. one, to, you know, you got to yeah. be somewhere in there. Okay. I'll, I'll oh, who's, get... who's ranking? Uh, box office USA. Oh. oh, okay. Oh, so money, money made, money wise. Yes. Gotcha. So I'll okay. I'll go first. I'm gonna guess thirteen. Thirteen. Good guess. Mm. Right. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight. Eight. Oh, close. The answer is twelve. So oh. Francisco. Oh, nice. That one. Well, though I went over or under. That doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess it doesn't see, matter. doesn't matter. This isn't prices, right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That's the technicals. Awesome, Paul. Thank you so much. All right. Well, now that we've got the technicals out of the way, let's actually get into the things we personally liked when we rewatched The Three Musketeers. And let's start with our guest, Nate. What's one thing you liked about this film? Well, you mentioned him already, Mr. Michael Wincott. I, I love that, dude. I love, I love any appearance he makes in a movie because he just plays like just the slimiest uh sidekick doesn't usually play the main villain in Why movies. Why yeah. Now, this this was so Cyclops, and that, right? That <laughs> yes, voice is, is so right? His voice is so unique and it he's is. just always talking gravelly. Yeah. And and uh and he's just perfect for that time period uh of movie. Oh and um, totally. And just like swashbucklers or just you know medieval uh, type stuff. I, he just, he just, I, it's so funny. Like if I ever see him in a movie, cause I think he's still doing movies. I haven't seen him like lately in one, so but if I, if I ever see him, want him pop up, I'd just be like, yes, it's that guy. <laughs> yeah. For some reason I thought he had died. I even told Christy, you know what? He's dead. He died. <laughs> While we're watching this movie. I think he's still, uh, he no, he's still, still alive. alive. He's still working. Yes. Well, and the last thing I saw him in, which he also played a bad guy in, was uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, which um, he was in that. Too? The one with uh, with Jim with, Caviezel. He played Jesus. a. He didn't play the main bad guy, but he played like the keeper of the prison. Oh and, man! Uh, and he was super entertaining in that because he just plays these dark kind of characters yeah. and he just does it so well i just wonder what his what his personality's like in real life <laughs> you know like if you just if you went up to him and just like oh thank you very much for seeing my movies <laughs> that, well, that would be actually, uh, quite the dichotomy if he was like that he actually reteamed up with uh, Kiefer sutherland recently in oh, really? 2014 in 24 uh live another day or live another day okay uh yeah. for that that reboot thing mm-hmm. anyway so he was a character in that was he oh, a cool. bad guy? I didn't see it. <gasps> you did. He played see Adrian 24? Cross. So if you know who Adrian Cross is in that, everyone you has would to know see Twenty Four. I mean, I haven't yeah. seen it, but um, <laughs> you know what? That was That's... one of my likes as well, Nate uh, Captain oh. Rochefort. Um, the, I mean, I feel like he was essentially reprising his role from uh, of Guy Gisborne from um, Robin Hood, oh, yes. Prince of Thieves. But I mean, yes. yeah, he was. Totally felt menacing. He even felt more menacing to me than Tim Curry. I mean, I I love Tim Curry too. I thought he was great. At I agree. Up the scenery in this movie, but yeah, for the oh, sort of man. the wickedness, I felt like it was a bit more uh, on. Uh, no, I agree. T- T- Tim Curry just gathers all the scenery in this movie <laughs> and just puts it on a silver platter and grabs a big <laughs> spoon and a fork and just has at it. Totally. He, oh he's a glutton in this movie. <laughs> Well, all for one and more for me, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Paul, what's something you liked about this film? You know what? I'm tracking with you guys the same. Yes. Uh, yes. Michael Wincock, he is my first like as well. What was really fun was to watch his swordsmanship when oh, he yeah. was dueling. It, he looked he he played it so effortly. Now, granted, he, I thought he did smile a little too much, like he was having a little too much fun, <laughs> right? Like, hey, stay in character, stop stop enjoying whooping up on your other uh, cast members there. But he, he was so fluid in effort; it was just really fun to watch. Yeah, and you know what that that goes right into one of my other likes, Paul. Sheesh, and that's the. You know what? I'm sure there's better choreography out there for fencing, but this one—I mean, I, the, everything 
there's a lot of fencing in this, and it all looked legit to me. I, I really enjoyed all the characters. Seemed like they they put a lot of effort in into learning to fence, at least for a m- movie, and. So I really appreciated that and seeing all the different choreography. And it, it was never never felt like I was watching the same fight twice. And it built in intensity. I mean, I know we love Princess Bride here. But, I mean, I think even you got to admit, Paul, that, that the fencing scene between Wesley and Indigo is way better than the climax between Indigo and Count Rugen, the 16-year yes. man. So... In this, though, I felt like it, it built all the way up and that the climax between D'Artagnan and Rochefort, Rochefort mm-hmm. was, was the biggest uh, fencing duel. So I appreciate yes. that. Let's go back to you, Nate. What's something else you liked? Uh, I liked... I, I remember watching this. I was must have been 14 when I saw this. And I remember when I saw it the first time being very amused at how they arranged D'Artagnan scheduling the duels with everyone mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for some reason, for some reason that just amused me. And I, yeah. and, uh, and yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I it just, it was simple, but it, you know, it was effective. I think, um, I, what I, I mean, I, I didn't quite like the line, but you know I can discuss that later. But he's like, hmm, three duels in one day. It's like, yeah, no, no, no doubt. We just saw you arrange that. But anyway, that's so. Well, that's someone who's emotional I, and doesn't yeah, think. It's like I think they were spelling that one out for my grandparents or something. But anyway, uh, the no, I liked I liked though that how he kind of encountered all three of them all within a short amount of time and. And he, mm. he's obviously way in over his head, but he doesn't care. He's just like, he's a hothead. So he's gonna, he's gonna, um, he's, why not? Let's just schedule. Let's, let's, let's just go, uh, let's go and kill three men in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Well, there's an hour in between. So. Oh, was yeah. it? Was not if the duels last a full hour each, right. then there's no time in between. He's giving himself time to take a breath, you know, yeah. and then prep for the Stretch. next one. So anyway, yeah. hold on bad guys. I am running out of air. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we just take a breather real quick. Thank exactly. you. Paul, were there any story elements like that that made your like list? No, but going off of uh, what what Nate said earlier, I loved the music in this. I don't remember liking the music before, but I thought the music was very upbeat during the fight sequences and it, it brought the energy and then it was very ominous during the dramatic scene. So I really enjoyed the music in this. Let, let me ask you this, Paul. Can you? I can't. Hum no, I can't do a theme. Robin Hood. Can Unfo- you ra- Can you hum Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves theme? Only because Brian Adams made it. A, I think a, I've made a, my a, point. A um, okay. <laughs> now this is now. I now granted. No, there was that one point. There was a bunch of points, uh, several points in the movie where it did the all for one. Uh, yes, uh, little score into it. Yes, I, so I that if that's the main theme, then yes, I can. Okay, all right, fine. Can, can I clarify something real quick? Sure. Yeah. I, I I didn't mean earlier that I didn't like the music per se in this movie. Um, I'm just saying, coming from somebody who scored Robin Hood, which has, in my opinion, just way better music, kind of all around. And I, I don't think I don't think Michael Kamen had a whole lot to work with on this one because yeah. I have no doubt they got Rod Stewart, Sting, <laughs> Brian Adams, and whoever else they got in the studio, and like they all recorded just something real quick, and they're like, whatever, we're done, and they left, you know, and then they hand this song to Michael Kamen, and they're just like, you need to write a score around, around this because this, yeah. this yeah. is going to be the most popular thing about this entire movie, so just make it happen. <laughs> And Michael yeah. Kamen's like, all right, you know. <laughs> so I think I think what he did was adequate, but you know that oh. it, I, I'm just saying compared to some of his previous work, like I, yeah, I just don't think he could have topped that anyway. Yeah. I'm saying compared to some of the previous movies we covered, this is above par. <laughs> there you go. Oh, now, oh that, yes, I'll if take that. Yeah. If you're yeah. comparing it to just other movies, yes, I I will agree with you, but. I mean, if you're, I mean, you can only really compare yourself to yourself. And I feel like, yes, this was not exemplary among, uh, I was surprised. Like, I, okay, honestly, this didn't make my dislikes. So that's why I'm bringing it up here in the frame right, of the conversation. Right. 
I thought that while I was watching this, I'm like, geez, whoever whoever wrote this score is like totally like uh, cribbing off of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. They're like trying to be Robin Hood, <laughs> Prince of Thieves, and oh, not wow. and not cutting mustard. And so when I saw it was the That's same composer, awesome. I'm like, oh well, okay, that makes sense. But That's at the same time, house. I'm disappointed. Come on. <laughs> Maybe by the time he got to uh maybe by the time he got to this one, he was just like, you know, I just don't have any more energy for that's this. True. I'm just gonna yeah. just you gonna can't it. Yeah, you can't hit a home run every time you walk up that's, the plate. That's, Sorry. That's right. That's, for that's sure. right. That's for sure. Uh okay. <laughs> uh let's go ahead and get into our classic makers then, guys. The things we love the most about uh I was about to say Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. No, about the three <laughs> musketeers. Let's start with Nate. Well, hopefully I'm not stealing anybody's uh, one again, but uh, basically anything having to do with Oliver Platt. Really? Yes. I mean, as far as, uh, frankly, in my opinion, he had the only like witty dialogue in the movie for the most part. Um, And just the kind of like his sarcasm and his, it was like, it was, he watching it the other night, it was like his dialogue was the only dialogue I laughed at. Like usually, like as far as, is as far as like his delivery and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it leads, you know, and, and especially just that, that whole scene when they're joining up at the very beginning, which I think is the best scene in the movie, as far as when they, they meet to do the duel sort of thing. But, you know, they, they, they end up joining forces to go against the, the, I guess you call it the King's men or, mm-hmm. or whatever their mm-hmm. group was, but, you know, just all over plus delivery. Oh, don't be stupid. Of course we intend to resist. Like it's, it was just that uh, I remember in the theater and the whole everybody's just cracking up. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think it just really anything Oliver Platt brought to the table, I was on board for. So, that okay. was, yeah, I yeah. know I got I got to say I didn't really think about it in that context. But I, yeah, mo- a lot of the lines he delivered, I thought were re- were really funny. I felt like there were other other characters were as as funny in their own ways at certain times. But yeah. especially that Rebecca de Mornay, man. She could tell a joke like Noah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, no, it was especially endearing when Oliver Platt made fun of the Asian man before sending him to his <laughs> death. That was, that, was, that was really great. It was, it was uh, almost as, uh, I felt like as an homage to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I thought that was. It, yeah. totally, it totally was. Yeah. That was a total nod to Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, you know, know, it's. It, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was about to say, it. I felt. Yeah, half his stuff was funny. I thought the other half was just a little too over the top, a too silly. We might uh, get like there his, later, Paul. It, it was, it was, his... but I wasn't. I got to the point where I had to stop trying to take the movie seriously, and so exactly, and I just I embraced all of the plat. Yes, <laughs> well, that's great because actually, um, him Oliver Platt. I, I, my, my classic maker is the basically the cast. Oh, okay. Uh, because yeah. you have Oliver Platt, which this is my favorite role that Oliver Platt has done. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's also my favorite role that Charlie Sheen has ever done. Uh, really? I loved his character. Haven't in this. you seen The Arrival yet, Paul? We talked about that last time. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't Charlie Sheen. <laughs> no, it was in The Arrival. Oh, The Arrival. Not yeah, in I Arrival. I know right, I got right, confused. Right. But. Um <laughs> I also enjoyed Tim Curry. Uh, oh, yes, of course. You know, and and... You know, those were the main three that stood out to me. I I enjoyed Keeper Sutherland. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and and each of the three original Musketeers, I thought their characters, even the fourth one, they were so different than the others. It's mm. almost like, how can these guys be friends? But they, they join under one commonality of protecting the king, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, and I, in, in that context, I love the little touch that Oliver Platt and Charlie Sheen's character did where they would touch swords when they're about to yeah. go off. I thought that was just a cool thing that like like brothers would essentially figure out to do and just yeah. sort of... And that, I, I love little touches like that where you know it's this natural thing that the actors probably came up with as an idiosyncrasy that w- is just very natural. So I, I love stuff like that. Um, that wasn't my classic maker, though. My classic maker, Nate stole a long time ago. And that's, Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. And that was the whole, yeah, them coming together, D'Artagnan mean each, how he meets each of the other musketeers and how they come together to all meet in the duel. 
that was <clears throat> having oh i'd say i have a, a decent range of movie viewership and i can't think of another instance where the protagonists sort of meet up in that way and mm-hmm. it definitely speaks to my each other <laughs> sure I, but it definitely speaks to my my uh affinity for the whole when you have two characters that are uh like at odds with one another, but then they become friends to then team up versus a bigger foe. Oh, yeah. I, I love yeah. that trope. And this, this isn't exactly that, but I, I, I've never, I don't recall ever seeing this type of uh, team up happen in this way. It's more like, oh, you have a singular person like your, uh, uh, what's his name with the eye patch from Avengers, um, Agent Nick Fury. Yeah, Nick Fury. Oh, you're, you're going to be on my team. Oh, you got to be on my team. Oh, come and join my yeah, team. Yeah, like an RPG where you go around and you collect exactly. as you go rather exactly. than them all come together at, at once. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I love the uniqueness that that was. And it was one of the better, best parts about this film. So I think now that we... Although, would you really show up for a duel two hours early? Well, they can... that, is, that was a little interesting. That they all kind of... <laughs> well, it's but if they're friends, they're yeah, exactly. They're yeah. friends, yeah. and he yeah. even said these are the grave diggers or or something like that. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that they're just coming to support uh, Athos. Oh, that's true. <clears throat> but oh, you know what, guys? I forgot something else I liked. Spirit Blade Productions. You see, since 2006, Peter Franson has been operating Spirit Blade Productions to create entertainment and resources that equip, encourage, and inspire Christian geeks. And soon after starting this indie studio, Peter expanded to include a ton more content and community under the banner of Christian Geek Central. I am personally a big fan of what Peter is doing, and now he has launched a Patreon so that you and I can help keep this ministry going and growing. Not to mention, your support can unlock fun rewards for you to enjoy, such as the exclusive Peter's Brain podcast slash vlog, private live streams, other audio entertainment, and a bunch more. Head over to patreon.com slash Productions for all the details. Uh, what does that have to do with Three Musketeers? Oh, well, it's just something we're trying to promote other members of Christian Geek Central. And, you know, it's like, all for one and one for all. We're part of the Christian okay. Central Network, so we're supporting them. You see, right, and there's works? three of us here. Yeah, so it's 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 just like it, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> you know what also makes sense that people would have memories of the Three Musketeers that they'd like to share. We like to go out to social media and say, "Hey, rewinders, what do you remember about the movies we cover?" And here's what some of you had to say. Patrick Edwards says, I remember Brian Adams travels to France to sing at King Louis's wedding after singing at Robin Hood's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Then uh, Dirty Steve 40 says, because it's all for one, one for all. But I think it's actually all for love or something like that. It's both, depending on the parts of the song. Oh, okay. Paul has it memorized. Hey, I bought the single on cassette when it came out. <laughs> yes, that's great. Jerry uh, Steve continues, great candy bar commercial. I can't believe that Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, uh, Ryan, Gos- Ryan Gosling, and Christina Aguilera got their start with this movie. Man, how time flies. Were they all in like Three Musketeers bar commercials or something? No, they were all in the Mouseketeers, not the Musketeers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Nice. Well played, Dirty Steve. So thank you to Patrick Edwards and Dirty Steve 40 for your feedback. Now, before we get to the things that we didn't like so much about the Three Musketeers, let's take a minute to answer the trivial question, which again was, what classic novel are you most disappointed in yourself for having never read? For me personally, I've never read Treasure Island. And I think that would be one book that, one classic book that I think I would really enjoy but I've never gotten around to reading it. I mean, there's a ton of classic literature literature that I've never re- read and never read, but... Uh, you might have a tough time. <laughs> <laughs> reading might not be your thing, Francisco, and that's okay. But that's why we have these things called verbally. audiobooks. Now, yeah. if you sign up for Audible, you can have a free book for free. Slash Retro Rewind yeah. Pod. 
Uh, how about you, Nate? What's a book you're disappointed in yourself for never having read? Uh, nothing, because I don't like reading. No, oh, um, fine. The, uh, no, I. You know, it, it's it's funny because everything that pop culture references, like growing up, the 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 novel that everybody always referenced was War and Peace. And oh, while I think sure. that, and while I think I would probably not enjoy reading that whatsoever, I was always kind of like. Yeah, growing up, I was like thinking, oh, if you just read War and Peace, then you can consider yourself just more educated, more, more, more sophisticated because nice. you can have a discussion about War and Peace. Yes. But uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't enjoy it. But yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed I didn't ever read War and Peace. There you go. I'm, I have a sort of an inkling of wanting to read Crime and Punishment. The other Dostoevsky okay. novel, but I, I, I am very skeptical as to whether I would like this. Like I hear people say, oh, it's, it's pretty good. I'm like, okay, I don't know. But how about yeah, you, Paul? I, oh. I will never be the type of person to just hang out in a coffee shop and wax philosophy and, and, uh, and, and, and classic literature. I just, I, I have kids. I don't have time for that. All right. <laughs> Pop quiz, hot shot. What Russian novel embraces more than 500 characters is set in the Napoleonic Wars. War and Peace. <laughs> War and Peace. <laughs> nice. Okay, is it Donatello who says that or Michael? It must be Donatello. That's Raphael that. asks Donatello. Oh, answers. Yeah, that's right. It's a trivial. And then Leonardo bursts in and says, He's alive. Oh, yeah. He's that's stepping right. all over the board. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Man. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, enough of this change me and Gerald's talk. What book for you, Paul? Uh, for me, there's several books. Um, and, okay, so one book. Probably the one that I would read is uh, Lewis's, Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. Oh, really? And, okay. Yeah, there's several books that I cannot... I like to listen to audiobooks mm-hmm. just because it works with the you know the traveling, commuting to work and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but there's several that like this, the three musketeers I've wanted to read, but I can't, it, the language is so I have mm. to pay attention. It's hard on audio. Oh, sure. Yeah. And Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland and through the looking glass has so much wordplay in it. It wouldn't be the same on audio. Uh, so, so you'd have to sit down and read it. Yeah. That, that uh, is probably my uh, one that I would like to read the okay. most. Those are great guys. I'm, I'm sort of disappointed. We've never read those. And let's talk about how we were Thanks disappointed. Thanks for inviting me on and making me feel bad. Let's talk. Stop with wrecking my segue. And let's talk about how we we're disappointed in the Three Musketeers. And since that's what we watched, uh, let's start with Nate. What's uh, Three something? Musketeers say? Thanks for inviting me <laughs> on and making me feel bad. <laughs> What's something you didn't like, Nate, about this film? Um, I rewatching this because it had been a, a really long time since I had seen it previously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. I was I was bummed about the intro scene and how completely underwhelming it felt. Like but they just have it's like a the, water in a the, cave. They have the title screen and they just have this boat just kind of chugging along <laughs> in this in this moat. There's yeah, no it doesn't the start way off it was with like it was so dark and mysterious. No, it just really was not and then so you're just watching this boat and there's just names that it just didn't seem like a very exciting uh, beginning, I guess. I, 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 for a I think they could have done it movie. for a swashbuckling movie, just yeah. to start off with this slow boat in a moat. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Dr. Seuss on this one. Um, the uh, rhymes now, I mean it. Yeah, and then it's just it's just Tim Curry getting out of the boat, lumbering up the steps. <laughs> He's going to just go observe some guy getting tortured, although and then have have him get killed. The alternative is just you know, white text on a black black background. background, So I'm glad it wasn't that. Uh, The first thing I said, I don't know if that's the only alternative, but sure. (laughs) But I I don't know. I just think they could have started things off a little. uh, I would agree with that. I think they could have done the whole D'Artagnan thing first. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and then, and then they could have cut to the boat in the moat. I think that would have been a bit more interesting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think, you can cut to the boat and have people be interested in a slow moving boat. I guess you'd have to cut it out and just go just cut out the boat completely. That's the thing. They could have just had Tim Curry visiting the prison 
Yeah. And and you know, and then it made yeah. that like a shot after they started with D'Artagnan. All right. Then I the like whole it. chase sequence and everything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, new editor. We'll, we'll 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 get to this the script gripes later on. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I do want to say a, a couple points to this that I feel like, and maybe this will be what you just alluded to, Nate. But it seems like if they were going to spend a lot more time down in the dungeon, then it would make sense to have this long establishing of sort of the setting of the dungeon. But they don't really spend that much time down no, but there in the, in, no but in the uh what do you yeah. call it the finale they go down into they, that they do but not for that long uh, that's no, the thing though is that it's cool you, to have it set up at the beginning so you're not know, like well where does this come they from too, here's I'm the just thing. saying they take too long to set up for something that isn't super important oh, at the uh, end okay right. then i agree with that like if they hadn't even shown a boat at the beginning and they showed them leaving on a boat i would have automatically just thought at the end well i guess they have an escape channel that they can take a boat on and i wouldn't have been like confused yeah. Oh, yeah. about it exactly. like I don't, yeah. I don't know if i needed an establishing shot for it but anyway Instead, that's just said you're like this is boring <laughs> <laughs> something that is kind of cool about that set though is that it's actually not a set it's uh an old mine in Austria that uh, was mm. abandoned because there was an underground water source that's an actual lake underneath uh, oh that, wow! And the the sets of the dungeon and I think the dock that they built the, in the mine are still there, and you can visit if you ever visit this mine in Austria. Wow! So interesting. And, yeah, somebody scouted that out, and they were like, "Oh, we've got to use this." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh yeah! Now they wanted to use every minute of footage they could get of that thing. Right. We paid good money for this. Uh, Paul, yep. what's something you didn't like about this film? Chris O'Donnell's character was just a little, I thought he did a good job mm-hmm. for what was there, but I felt he was a little too arrogant mm. into the point where I'm watching it that about halfway through the movie, I stopped rooting for him. It's kind of like when he met the other three, the three other musketeers, I started rooting for them more than Chris O'Donnell's like, Oh, okay. If he dies, fine. As long as the three guys are okay, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, you know what? I I liked him for the most part, but I totally am on board with he is too arrogant and too cocky yeah. throughout most of it. And it was, just a little bit I, too I, much. But just pull it pull pull it back some. I'd be curious if that was if that was true to his character from the from the novel or not, but Oh, well, he is supposed to be young and he is supposed to be, you know, a little, you know, too big for his britches, but he's also the main character and you want your main character to be, you know, the likable person that carries the audience through the, the movie. Mm-hmm. So when the audience stops caring about him halfway through the film, it's kind of like, eh, what are you doing here? And, you know, I wonder if that has something to do with my uh, my first dislike, which is. Uh, something about the pacing in this film, it felt like mm-hmm. it would go really good for a while, like gain momentum and then sort of just crash for a bit. And be yeah. Like, eh, let's, let's keep going. Oh, yeah. Go it's almost, here we go again. Here. Oh, good, good, good. And then uh, like I, I, I understand. And I have felt like I the Rebecca Domain or whatever her name is. Remain latest. I don't know. Wow. Uh, character. I thought. It, it she did a good job, but it kind of messed with the pacing. Like you could almost eliminate that. And granted, it is like a love part in it. Mm-hmm. But I and it's think how they it, find out what the plans are and what. Yeah, but you could have introduced like, oh, the he, you know, Tim Curry's power hungry. He wants to kill the king. You don't need like this whole spy secret stuff going on on top of that. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I agree. Yeah. The pacing was a little bit up and down. That could have been tightened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they needed. It's like they just needed some additional character development for Athos. I think. Yeah. Um, just to, it's like, well, well, we got nothing for Kiefer. Uh, okay, uh, love interest. Let's just do a love interest, I guess, and uh, let's tie her in with being a spy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. she's essential yeah. to the story now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What's something else you didn't like, Paul? Uh, one of the um, I, first, I, I I said that I liked, I really loved Tim Curry in this, mm-hmm. but. I felt he was trying to be half the time he was really menacing and other the other half time he was trying to be funny and 
it kind of took away from the danger of of the character. It's kind of like what you said before, like Michael Wincott's character was more menacing or whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I wish that was even more true of Tim Curry's because he has that capability in there and rather they decided to uh, partner it up. I know they tried to like do a a winning combo with menace and humor, Mm -hmm. but I think the humor uh, lessened the gravitas of the situation and it's kind of like, and made it less believable. So when he says lines like, after killing the the prisoner at the beginning, like, oh, one less mouth to feed. It's like, would his character really say it that way? You know, he's kind of like, oh, happy. Oh, one less mouth to feed. I'm like, who is this jolly guy who's supposed to be menacing? You know, it's kind of like, pick one and then do it well. well. I think Disney was just thrilled to get Tim Curry. And they probably just told the director, because the director's like, look, we did some first scenes from the dungeon and he just comes across as an evil drag queen. And they were probably just like, but you know what? It's Tim Curry. So you're not going to say a word. You're going to let him do what he does. And if he only wants to do one take, then just let him do one take. We'll just, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll splice it up in the editing room. It'll be fine. So that unfortunately that was my, yeah, that was my second dislike is like, I felt it it could have been better if if the humor around Tim Curry's character could have been uh, reined in more. Hmm. I I've mm. thought, I've thought it was just just right for me. So, but I I can uh, appreciate your uh, your opinion when it's right. Oh my <laughs> uh, Nate, what uh, right or wrong opinion do you have about this film? Um, I thought, especially looking at like the first half an hour of it that the costumes looked too much like costumes. Oh. Um, Especially the blue they, and red tunics, they, right? Yes. Yeah. They were they were too they were too clean. Yes. Everything was too clean. It looked like it you it looked like they rented them almost from like a <laughs> From a store, like, yeah, from like a costume store, like the day before, and they're just like, "All right, this fits you, and this fits you, and just throw this on." Everything looked too clean and yeah. not lived in for that time period. And then you watch like a behind-the-scenes documentary on all the Lord of the Rings, and they're like, oh, you know, right. and, and like some of the people that made those costumes are like, "Yeah, we just had these people just hammering away at like this armor for like three days just to give it kind of like a, a banged up sort of look. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you none of that happened on this production. Oh, no. They got like the costumes cleaned and pressed and they showed up <laughs> on the, on the lot and everybody was like, Ooh, this is fancy. And it just, does, it just doesn't look, they just, to me, a lot of them didn't look authentic at all. And that, that just kind of took away, I think from, we're just spoiled nowadays. We're just, oh, we oh, have, you know, yes. we're, we're just totally spoiled. And it, yeah. it looked like, it looked like costumes that you'd see like on a WB, you know, yeah. sort of show mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or something, but it just didn't, I don't know. It just kind of took away for me. It's funny because Nate, you just stole my, my tragic. Oh, really? oh, oh man. I'm so sorry. No, no, you're absolutely right. It felt like I was watching a play rather than a movie because I, I wrote down, it looks so clean. Even the dirt was clean when they like, yes. like the, in the hay. And if you watch like what the peasants wear, it's kind of like this scruffy material, but even <laughs> there is like no dirt in the scruff at yeah, all. Yeah, it is yeah. the cleanest poverty ridden peasants I've ever seen. <laughs> now, and there is a lot of killing in this movie, yeah. but there is like virtually no blood, no blood yeah. except down in the dungeon. When the, <laughs> but I, uh, of all the swords and everything, there's there is no blood. It's and it 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 felt like I was watching uh, a production, a play. Yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than a movie. I mean, totally. the the one makeup that I thought was effective was the big sort of burly. Uh, like a boils guy in the yeah, dungeon. Yeah, and master. when he died, there was blood. <laughs> there was. I yes. don't even remember that. Yeah, it was dark. You was know. it out of his mouth or something? It was kind of dripping. Weird. I don't remember seeing any head. blood. So yeah, okay. that's that's an excellent, excellent. Uh, just like Nate and Paul, an excellent tragic maker. Uh, Nate, how about let's go to your tragic maker now? Um. <laughs> I thought overall it was just not a good script. Mm. Um, 
I, it, it didn't feel engaging. All of like the little one liners after something happened seemed completely, uh, seemed, seemed completely, I don't know. Like, did, like, like I mentioned before where he arranged all three duels and then he takes a moment to stop and look at the camera and can contemplate three duels in one day. And it's like, really? There was nothing? Just you couldn't spice that up just a little bit more. I, I think I think they were just I think a lot of their their jokes and punchlines and stuff was a lot of low hanging fruit in this one. Um, again, but God is often busy. Yeah, well, yeah. Then you've got you know you've got some ones that were that were kind of uh, kind of clever. But I, I think there was, <laughs> What? What? I was doing the Oliver Platt one. Ah, oh yeah, yeah. The, ah, exactly. Yeah. Let's all let's all make fun of the Asian and kill him. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the that's basically what happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah I know. Let's not let's, wrong. Let's let's, let's let's be real. Um, the uh, but that was allowed in '93. Um, the uh, the I think I think what I think what what I was kind of witnessing too is they we've had so many good quality productions in scripts Mm -hmm. since then for swashbucklers. We've had pirates of the Caribbean, uh, count count of Monte Cristo, the legend Mm. of Zorro or the mask of Zorro, which mask of Zorro, which in my opinion had a a lot of witty dialogue and it had, in my opinion, much better sword play than this did even though but like i said 14 year old me when i saw this back then was amazed like i, I was oh, just sure. like this is this is really cool and this is really a big act you know big action piece and stuff like that but just i don't know some of the dialogue just did not do it for me i don't think it was delivered very well i don't think personally chris O'Donnell's a very good actor to begin mm. with um i know i know oh i'm sorry is he starring in major blockbusters you hear today? that okay. ncis uh, la was he in that? Yeah, it's a okay. TV show. All right, well, that's coming off of my backlog list. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Just for me, I think the script it just it wasn't as witty um, as it could have been. I think it just was a lot of just or kind as of it wanted to be. That's kind of, the yeah, impression it, that it, it there gave. you go. That is, is it wanted to be? Yeah. I don't know. This came out the same year as Jurassic Park. This came out five months. After so you know the producers were just like well it doesn't matter what we put out we can't compete with that so let's just don't worry about punching up the script just just get it out there just you know and uh, yeah anyway that that was just kind of my main gripe about it I just think I was almost like well I would have said this or I would have said that and I, yeah. I do that with movies sometimes but but this in particular I was like oh man they missed it with that line oh man they missed it with that line mm. like yeah so. Oh, I need I, you to be on my list of people who edit my novel when I'm done because I want you to go through and punch yes. that up. Just punch it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I will I'd say, be honored, Paul. I will say we covered the Mask of Zero and Retro Rewind Podcast.com slash twenty nine. We gave it a, a disputed tragic rain, though that was when we were doing <laughs> classic or second class. So there's no oh, nostalgic rain. So it's probably time. nostalgic and probably uh, yeah. I ended up being that, but <laughs> yeah. Um Unlike that Swiss Family Robinson, that tragic movie. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but it's the same year that Groundhog Day came out that we've also covered. Oh, yeah. And Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings mm-hmm. slash 32 and Groundhog Day slash 73. Anyway. And last Action Hero. Oh, my gosh, Paul. <laughs> that's um, um something in the 90s? No. Oh, no, that's 118 slash 118. Are you done? Now, no. One Wait, more question. He scored for Nate. Three Musketeers and Last Action Hero in the same year. No wonder he didn't commit to this. Yeah, he was burned out. Yeah. He was totally burned out. Now, this is the same year that Hot Shots Part 2 came out. Do you think you would enjoy Charlie Sheen more in that or this? Uh, oh, Hot Shot Part do all the way. Yes. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think I don't think Charlie Sheen's character was frankly given enough in this movie. I think yeah. uh well, he is it was so just the fact that he was just a, a, a I guess a priest or he was a priest or, or something um and he still he still kind of held true to his you know beliefs when he wasn't romanticizing women but yeah. um or, or killing everyone in eyesight. <laughs> well, pretty much, yeah. But I don't think I don't think they had character like, you know, you find out uh Oliver uh, Porthos is a pirate. Yeah. You, you know, or was a pirate, a notorious pirate, which you could totally see. Mm-hmm. You right. find out a- a- Athos or Athos, Athos, whatever, 
had the whole, you know, thing with Rebecca De Mornay and, and that was kind of, okay, you know, but then, and then to my knowledge, I don't think there was much for Aramis. Was that it? Or is that? Yeah. Or, Aramis. Yeah. Charlie Sheen's character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Charlie Sheen's character. It was just kind of like, well, he was a priest and he believes in giving people the last rites when he kills them. And that's, that's pretty much his, I don't know. It just didn't feel like they went into his character too much. And the movie was only an hour and 45 minutes. It's like, give me five more minutes and, 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 yeah. and beef up his, his character development. And I'm good. All right. So cut out the boat scene in the middle and replace cut out it the boat scene and uh, <laughs> give some more stuff for Charlie. All right. I will say, um, I found out from reading the trivia that apparently Charlie Sheen was finishing shooting hot shots part you. And so he missed out on a lot of the sword training, like the, the three months or something of sword training that the other actors went through. Oh. So that's why you don't see him doing much sword work in this film. Oh. And I don't know, oh. that doesn't really speak to why they don't give him much to do character wise, but there is that element. <clears throat> now, my that's tragic cool. maker is actually, I thought I wasn't going to bring up the score but it was the school. Oh, no. <laughs> so we already went through my tragic maker, how it was totally phoned in, but we know why. So you know what? Here's the last <laughs> thing I didn't like. And it is, it's super nitpicky, but the accents are all over the place in this movie. <laughs> you have American, really? you have English for the most part. You have French from that one, uh, uh, the, the queen and also the the queen's, queen's ma- maid, ma- maid, maid uh, servant, or lady in waiting, lady or whatever. Yes, it's like just just pick. I mean, I mean, at least they do did. Do. Everyone speak their native tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, oh man, I, that was just rough for me. It re- really that took me out of the movie. Probably more really than took you out else. of the things. It yeah. made it more fiction than historical fiction. Yes, 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 okay. yes. That's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah, I mean, just just do all American fine. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. With, or all United States, and I should say, I'm fine with that. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a French property. Fine, make a French movie, but we're not going to do that because we're Disney and we're United States. <laughs> anyway, off of that, still we'll do all South American next time. All Aztec. Ooh, that'd be cool. I'd watch that. Uh, yeah. Well, is Apocalyptico, is that Aztec or mine? We're getting off topic <laughs> to a great degree. Now, before we get to our final reign, we want to give a quick shout out to Nate Henderson. If you're looking for an amazing voice talent, you know, some we had technical issues on the front end trying to get this together. So don't base how he sounds on how he might sound on this podcast. Go listen to his uh, his promos at fiverr.com slash Nate Henderson to hear uh, his audio work. And you can hire him for, I don't know, five bucks, ten bucks. I don't know his prices, but he's well worth it. Go hire him if you need voice work for uh, a promo for your podcast or your YouTube channel or a video game or what have you. He can do some awesome voices for you. Fiverr.com slash Nate Henderson. Now that we've given Alice some time to enter enter all our targeting information into the firing computer, Alice, do you have a firing solution for us? Firing solution complete. Rating salvo at the ready on your mark. Yes, it's the rain salvo authority. Uh, do we rate the Three Musketeers a classic? We'd recommend anyone go out and see this movie, whether or not you've seen it before. A nostalgic, it's only worth a rewatch if you enjoyed it uh, growing up or uh, in your youth. Or a tragic, it's not worth a rewatch, and it's definitely not worth watching if you're trying to find something new to watch or new to you to watch. Uh, let's go around, start with our guests as we like to. Nate Henderson, how do you rate The Three Musketeers? Oh, man. I really, really wanted to to keep my nostalgic rating on this one. Oh, and I, I honestly, after after viewing it again, I I have to downgrade it. I have oh. to, I have to downgrade it. And and I'll tell you this: it's not like it's it's not like it's a like a it's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But like I said, there have been so many movies made since then that I think are are more entertaining and done more 
just better professionally than this when it comes to action adventure and swashbuckling and everything like that, Mm -hmm. that I don't think there's any reason for people to go back and see this. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, even if you have seen it, it's like, I, I, I think that there's, I think that there's just better movies that you'd be they'd be more valuable to spend your time on than than to go back and see this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nate, did you yeah. see the 2011 uh, Three Musketeers with Percy Jackson in it as D'Artagnan? I did Jovovich? not. No, I heard it. Was, I heard it wasn't so good, so I just kind of I because guess avoided it. I was about to say that is later and like. Actiony, but I didn't care. I I preferred this movie, this 1993 movie, over the 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah, I felt like okay. that one was way too steampunk stylized. Exactly, mm. exactly. So it's even less historical. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right? it's way more <laughs> fictional. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, it's it, it was it was it was it was good. I was I thought it was really cool at the time when I saw it when I was a 14 year old, mm-hmm. not having seen the next 25 years of movies. Yeah, uh, but I've seen too much now to recommend anybody just go back and yeah, this is worth two hours of your time. I'd I'd recommend some other things first. So, all right, all right. So, a uh, tragic from Nate, Paul. How do you rate three? You know, I predicted nostalgic as well, and you know what? You were thinking it's actually- a classic. I actually would recommend everybody go out and see it because there's a chance you may like it, but. But, but but there's a good chance you won't. <laughs> I think if you saw it before, land this plane fall. Like, I think it, I think you'll like it as I think if you liked it before. I think you'll like it now. Maybe not as much, but I still think you'll enjoy it. Hmm. Um, if you're watching it for the first time, you, there's a chance that you may not like it. There's I mean, there's a chance that you may like it, uh-huh. but probably not as good of a chance. So I'm going to keep it at nostalgic. Keeping it at nostalgic. Okay. That's like, what is this going to be? You're teasing us, Paul. Teasing us with your rating. I know. I know. It's uh. No, that's fair. You know what? I'm unfortunately in about the same boat as Nate. <laughs> Whereas... It is, in case you weren't aware, my birthday is coming up. This is me and Paul are sharing this thing where we pick a movie where we personally want to do it for our own birthdays. And this was my pick for my birthday because I remember really Happy loving birthday. Thank you. I remember really loving this movie. <laughs> uh, I still remember I went and saw it with friends in the theater thinking it was so great when I was, I think, mm-hmm. 12. And so I really wanted to revisit this. And I was so hoping, I was so hoping I'd be like, oh, this is, this is, this is fun again. But there is a lot of cheese to it, and yummy. And you know what? Sometimes cheese is good, though. So I will say, I will say, given what we talked about, it's a nostalgic for sure. It's okay. it's worth rewatching. And even even after watching, I'm like, I remember this being so fun. Why why didn't I enjoy it more when I just watched it a day ago? I kept reliving like scenes in my head, like. I, this was good. This was a good movie. What? Why was? What did it work? <laughs> I don't. It's it's almost like there are tons of uh, parts that the sum should have been greater than than or it should have been greater than the sum of its parts. But it was just a lot of really good parts. And some. Well, you're older parts. and you have kids now, so you don't have. Me, the that's it. But energy <laughs> to really I mean, enjoy. <laughs> so I I liked it. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. I I if my kids wanted to see it, I wouldn't be opposed to that. But um. But yeah, I'm going to rate Three Musketeers Nostalgic. So according to the Retro Rewind podcast, we rate the Three Musketeers a disputed nostalgic movie. If you enjoyed it as a kid, you probably it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to put it on again, relive some of that some of that fun nostalgia. But if you've never seen it before, uh, check out Princess Bride if you've never done that. Or <laughs> uh, kind of my Christo, I guess. Um, are there any really current swashbucklers that we'd recommend, guys? I can't think of any. I mean, aside Pirates from of the Caribbean, movie. aside from oh, Pirates, Pirates um, of the Caribbean, yes, of course. You know, that's that they kind of just took over everything for yeah. a while. So, good point. Yeah. All right. Well, now it's time to get back to our own time. Good old twenty XX. Twenty XX. Comsat online. Receiving incoming transmission. 
Okay, we actually have another iTunes review. It's like we're on a roll here, guys. Who's going to send in the next one for the next episode? Uh, so this one comes from Hog Monster. And the title is Great Podcast, but Poor Use of Time Travel. Five stars. And so Hog Monster says, I found this podcast while trolling the net looking for good a good fix for nostalgia. Can't get enough of this stuff. This podcast is great. They use a machine in order to rewind back to a movie or video game at least 15 years old, then review said media with fresh with a fresh look. It's a great way to remember your favorite films from your childhood, but I disapprove of the frivolous use of time travel. They have a time machine, and do they use it to spur technical technological advancement no do they use it to fix what once went wrong a la quam leap no do they use it to get rich no they use it to review classic video games and movies that's something that could easily be done on our own time you don't need a time machine for that the hosts speak clearly they have great insight and the show has a great audio quality but i really wish they would hand over their method of time travel over to the elon musk he would be a much better candidate for leaping through time five-star podcast zero stars for responsible use of fringe technology with the power to destroy us all deal with it emoji so thank, <laughs> thank you so like much it. for that hog monster that was an amazing review and keep it coming guys it's yeah. itunes review are are fun to get and we always read those so and as far as uh responsibility of time travel yeah we don't use it to do these like great grandiose things but i kind of look at it as like how small frodo was in charge of the the one ring indeed like you know, it's 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 only because we can wield it. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, exactly. Uh, other people, it would corrupt them, and we might yes, talk about they would abuse it in the right. in the spiritual speculation section. Uh, but and also, we don't want we don't want to make big impacts because you know butterfly effect and all. So we exactly. know we we use the minimum uh, recommended dosage. So. And, well, maybe and only, a little bit more. And only we know how to how to do that. So, <laughs> well, except for those pirates that came along. Okay, thank you again, Hog Monster. <laughs> uh, now, as always, vote on the movies we cover at retrorewindpodcast.com/slash/vote. Buy our T-shirts at retrorewindpodcast.com/slash/store. Obey my dog. Give bonus content and more by supporting us on Patreon at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash support and con- contact us at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash contact. How else can people reach us, Paul, and you specifically? They can contact us on social media. We are Retro Rewind Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yada yada. You can also watch us record these very podcasts live as well as other live streams of video games and pixel art illustration if you follow us at twitch.tv slash retro rewind pod and if you want to find me specifically i am paul j powers you can go to pauljpowers.com where i have my social media links you can say hello there or you can listen to the next episode when we cover the movie 101 Dalmatians. Is that binary? <laughs> 101 Dalmatians. Is so robot be, dogs taking see. over? Zero, zero. One is one. Ten is two. Eleven is three. One hundred is four. One hundred one is five. So five Dalmatians, I think, is what they're five saying. Dogs. Five okay. dogs. Okay. That doesn't seem too bad. That uh, seems doable. It's not overwhelming. No. Yeah. Maybe we can like shove the dogs together to form... Voltron or something. <laughs> Voltron is cats, Paul. Not I know. Dogs. Like it'll. Is that the best you can do? <laughs> oh <my gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Twitch, I want to thank our Twitch circuits, the people who subscribe to our Twitch channel using their Amazon Prime membership. If you are an Amazon Prime member, you can subscribe and support the podcast essentially for free. I mean, it costs you have to pay for that Amazon Prime membership, but you can use your Twitch Prime uh, subscription on on the Retro Rewind podcast, Retro Rewind Pod, 
on Twitch. And that will help uh, kick us like 250 a month. And it just is a little bit that helps support the show. And so we'd like to thank our Twitch circuits, uh, Chris Nitz, Doc Holiday 364, Eric the Viking for Herky, Rotius1886, Mad Cowan, Paul J. Powers, and Christian Geek Central. So thank you all so much. And thank you, Paul, for being uh, a fellow musketeer. So glad to get to do these podcasts with you. Surprised that wasn't your ending, Paul, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, really grateful to our guest, Nate Henderson, for coming back on the show. Uh, always fun having you here, Nate. Uh, where can people find you online, and is there anything you'd love to pro- you'd like to promote? Well, thank you, Francisco. They uh, people can find me at on Twitter at Nate Voices, um, and uh, if they want a uh, a good quality uh, voiceover recording, they can find me on Fiverr.com slash Nate Henderson, and I do all different types of uh, narrations and character voices. So if you have a project you need work done and and you need help with, let me know. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nate. And most of all, I appreciate you. Yes, you listening right now. Whether this is your first time listening or you're one of our rad rewinders, thank you for spending time with us. And we pray that you are more joyful now than when you first hit play. I have been and continue to be Francisco Ruiz. Find me on Twitter at and Instagram at FXRUIZX. And you can hire me to do pixel art illustrations for you via Fiverr. I'm also there at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash Fiverr. Finally, we are proud to be a part of the Retro Junkies Network at TheRetroJunkies.com and the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. You can catch us at either of those, but like a Pokemon, we got to catch you all later on the next episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Retro Rewind Mission Complete. Proceed to Nap Point Omega and return to base. This episode was arrogant, hot-tempered, and entirely too bold. I like that. Reminds me of me.